The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Living a life of joy and peace begins with knowing all you need is right inside you all the time, waiting to be revealed and shared. Welcome to Timeshare, Living Reality, Navigating the Dream, with your host, Marie Jackson. Listen in as Marie and her regular contributors guide you to realizing the perfection you already are. Now, here is Marie Jackson. Welcome to Timeshare on Voice America's 7th Wave. I'm Marie Jackson. A timeshare for many of us is a vacation spot, a break from the routine, a place to go for a change of scene, or a time out from the to-do list. Afterward, we return, feeling refreshed, energized, rested. The timeshare you just tuned into is a bit like that. You can take a time out from your schedule, take a break and a breath, then go back to your day, seeing things perhaps a bit differently, broader, bigger, deeper. Every Thursday from noon until 1 U.S. Eastern Time, my regular contributors and I discuss and explore the subject of metaphysical spirituality, which is a field of study, a philosophy, or a science, seeking to know life's essence beyond what we recognize as physical. Timeshare offers conversations to help deepen our comfort with questions, questions that bridge the gap between materialist science and ideology or faith. And you're invited to join in the conversation. Our intention is to make Timeshare a forum for practical applications of ancient and contemporary teachings, applications to help us understand life, each other, and how to live the happiness that is our birthright. Today, I am joined by my regular Fourth Thursday contributor, classically trained pianist, composer, performer, and author, Paul Armitage. Paul helps us find that place where our ego personality and our spirit become one seamless existence, time-space reality connecting with the current of all that is. Paul's seamless existence results in spontaneously composed music from the heart of universal love, it is Paul's music we hear in Timeshare's openings and closings. Today we're going to talk about his creative process, how he came to this spiritual manifestation, and his book, Between the Lines, A Case for Reincarnation, Exploring Soul Purpose Across Lifetimes, which chronicles Paul's journey into one past life so instrumental in his creative process today. Much of Paul's spiritual evolution grew out of his deep understanding of Seth, the energy presence channeled by Jane Roberts, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Lots to get to today, so let's get started. Welcome, Paul. Thank you again for being my regular contributor. Thank you, Marie. It's great to be here. Timeshare's topic for February is ego. My position is it isn't a bad thing. It's a tool, a vehicle transporting our character and self we get into trouble when the vehicle does the driving instead of the inner navigator. 
I'm eager to pursue this with you today because you have found a way to, to live that fine line where your ego is your vehicle for your spiritual self with a capital S on spiritual and a capital S on self. So let's start there. How do you define ego? Oh, it's a big question. Um, well, like I agree with you that ego isn't a bad thing, uh, although there can be a negative expression of ego when we're not aligned, when we're kind of not totally integrated in our whole self or feeling out of balance. But I guess ego then, to define it in a, in a try to keep it concise, my definition of ego is it's a, uh, it's a part of our belief system. It's a part of our mind that attempts to define to ourselves who we are. It's our way of describing to ourselves our, our own definition of who we think we are. And so the ego can be, at times, a very valuable tool, but it can also be distorted because if it has a limited definition of self and we become too identified with that limited definition, then we tend to cut ourselves off from uh, awareness and insight and knowingness that can often guide us in a profound way that comes from the greater aspect of our, our self, the more unlimited aspects of self, the more spiritual parts of who we are. So ego is a part of that. It's a portion of it. And it's a, it's a portion of our mind that is intended to guide us in navigating our experience in time and space in this physical experience of being incarnated in a physical body in time and space. The ego then is very important and has a very valuable role to play in navigating us through that journey as we live our lives in this reality. Um, so I guess I would define it that way. as It's a part of us that's very important, but it isn't the whole of us. And so there's a whole, I guess there's a whole discussion we can have around uh, all the different facets of that. That's, that's an interesting way to put it because that's really a, a delicate balance, isn't it? It's a very limited part of who we are. It's a tool. We need it to interpret this time-space reality. But in its limitations, we are cut off, in, in, the, in using your words, we're cut off from our greater awareness because there's so much more to us than our ego. So the fight becomes then between the ego, which is limited, trying to confine us and the greater self, capital S, greater self, that we have access to, but the ego stands in the way. It can. And again, I think it's important to point out and remind ourselves that at every moment we have the capacity to make choices as to whether we're going to listen only to that voice, which is our ego, or be open to... uh, not, not cl- choosing to not close ourselves off from hearing the other voices that express through intuition, express through our, our feelings, express sometimes as some people have visions, some people, uh, you know, there's many ways that our other aspects of our being can communicate and, and we can access and tap into that greater knowing. So I guess the point I was making there is that choice, we, and, and, it, we, we're always able to, we're always it can choose 
which voice we're going to listen to. I'm reminded of one of the powerful statements in A Course in Miracles uh, where Jesus, as the author of The Course in Miracles, often reminds the listener or the reader that we're always, we always have a choice to listen to two voices. One voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is that part of our mind that is totally connected to the absolute truth of who we really are as unlimited being or Christ consciousness. That's the one voice. The other voice is the voice of our ego. And in every moment, we have to make a choice. Which voice are you going to listen to? Um, I, lo- I love that because it keeps it kind of simple for me. And I, I think a big part of my journey has been learning to discern the difference between those two voices. I think that's where a lot of us get confused. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about that journey because you have quite a story to tell. I love your book. Um, and I mentioned it in the introduction, Between the Lines, A Case for Reincarnation, Exploring Soul Purpose Across Lifetimes. And, I, and when I was getting ready for today, I was skimming through the, the parts that I had highlighted because we've talked a, a time or two about your book. And I really like what you say about exercising free will. Mm-hmm. You, you say exercising free will, which is allowing our true feelings and desires to be fully honored and included in our daily choices, instead of denying those feelings, becomes mm. of paramount importance if we are to manifest outer freedom in our lives. Deciding what freedom looks like in our outer and inner life is one of the most important questions to be answered by anyone seeking to become fully conscious of one's real self. I love the mm. way you put that. And I'm reminded in uh, in talking in reading that part of your book, I'm re- reminded of something that Seth tells us, and I really want to connect these two with you because, mm. well, because you're very good at it. But um, a lot of what you, I had said in the introduction that Seth um, was instrumental in your own spiritual evolution. And what, what we read on page 324 in The Eternal Validity of the Soul, that's the book that, that I started out with, with Seth, says the outer world and referring to your book again, the outer world is a reflection of the inner one, though far from perfect. The inner knowledge can be compared to a book about a homeland that a traveler takes with him into a strange country. He tells us that we're all born with what he calls a yearning to make these truths real, even though there's a great difference between them and the environment in which we live. Our internal drama is projected outward, creating our history. And I'm wondering if, if if that is if that relates to what you had said earlier about integrating, integrating all the aspects of yourself. Can you talk about that a little bit, or am I wandering too far afield here? Oh, I think I, I really love that quote from Seth. Although it's a big statement he's making, and it's um, so there's a number of different aspects to it. Um, but I really like the uh, the whole. I've 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 often over many years I've often had very deep inner conversations with myself, exploring that that very topic that Seth is describing so clearly in that in the quote that you read. Um, and I, I love to just contemplate, you know, what that really means. Uh, this particularly the first part where he talks about how the outer world is a reflection of the inner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the inner reality mm-hmm. and although it's not perfect 
and I think I think the reason it's not perfect is because what is being reflected back to us has to go through the lens of our perception. We are always going to interpret what's being reflected back to us through our own beliefs, through yes. our own Yes. Through our own previous assumptions. Yeah, our, our own, own, our own previous, database. And we're running exactly. it through our own database. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's this sort of chicken and egg dynamic happening because our own database is born from and emerges out of that inner truth, inner being that uh, he, he refers to. Yeah. Although it can also emerge out of our distortions, which is what the ego does. The ego interprets everything and often can misinterpret deep knowing and deep inner truths that are often very profound and very uh, illumined insights. But because our ego has such a limited vocabulary, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because our ego is basically confined to the realm of the linguistic, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, symbolic Mm -hmm. realm of language. Symbolic realm, yep, exactly. And so we have to interpret everything through words and languaging when we're listening to the ego, basically. Because the ego names everything. The ego... The ego's job is to identify, name, and categorize every physical object, every emotional experience. Um, so in referencing and listening to our ego's way of articulating or describing that, we automatically we run the risk of getting sidetracked and forgetting that it's symbolic. And so as a symbol, it has value and meaning. And it can serve us hugely in terms of giving us the capacity to express to ourselves and to others deep truths. And it allows us to connect with each other. And, but it, if we, the trap that we fall into is becoming overly identified with our words and, and descriptions. And, that is, and in, that is huge. Yes. The over-identification with it. We are just about up on a break here. I'd like to pick that up on the other side. So let's hold on to that for a second. And let me remind our listeners, you're tuned to Timeshare on Voice America's Seventh Wave. Spontaneous composer and performer Paul Armitage is with me today as my regular Fourth Thursday contributor. And we're looking at ego and the creative process. Our show today is tape recorded. So please contact Paul or me after our broadcast to continue the conversation or explore the topic more deeply. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Marie Jackson is a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. Her practice includes private advising, workshops, and talks. Clients and students are offered tools, guidance, practices, and resources for managing stress and realizing personal power. Marie has a focus on intention and the law of attraction. By staying true to the spirit of who you are in daily living, you can process short and long-term goals, negotiate and hold boundaries, and clarify communication and commitments in work, relationships, and family dynamics. For more information, visit mariejackson.net. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are tuned into Timeshare, Living Reality, Navigating the Dream. 
To reach Marie Jackson or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, her email address is marie at mariejackson.net. Now, back to Timeshare. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Before we went to break, Paul Armitage and I were talking about ego and identifying with the ego. Our show today is pre-recorded, so please listen at the close of the conversation for Paul's contact information if you would like to continue the chat. In one of our prior conversations, Paul, uh, you had said denying the ego is equally important as identifying with it. And we were just bumping up against that before we went to break. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's also the fine line when we are saying that ego is not a bad thing. We can't really deny it, but we can't over-identify with it. And a lot of us really don't know the difference. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, when I say deny, denying something as opposed to identifying, there are sort of two sides of the same coin in my, in my way of seeing it. When we overly identify with something, then again, we're, we're making the error of putting most of our attention on something that limits our ability to perceive other important truths that may be then blocked from our awareness because we're overly identified with one way of seeing things, which is what our ego is. When we deny our ego, we're making a similar mistake because the ego does have valuable insight information and it does fulfill a very important role, mm-hmm. but, but it it's only when we don't overly identify with it that it can fulfill that role. So if we deny it, then we are cutting ourselves off mm. from the useful, very constructive role that our ego can play. So um, here's the thing that happens when we deny our ego. If we pretend that, oh, I, I shouldn't feel that way, and that's, a, that's an emotion coming from my ego. Say it's a moment of irritation mm. or a moment of uh, some, some aspect that we generally think of as being coming from the ego. If we deny it, what can happen then is if we push it down and uh, sort of try to sort of su- suppress that part of our, our ego or that part of ourself that's having that moment, what can happen is it will then function behind the scenes from a hidden place and can then sort of pop up at the most inappropriate moments and create problems for us. Is that what some people call the shadow self? I, I, yes, or absolutely. The dark self, the shadow self, yeah, our shadow. Yes, I, I think of the shadow as the kind of the the, the aggregate of all of the um, historical experiences, emotions, uh, you know, psychological experiences we've had, often which are very much a part of what's the ego and the part of us that's having human experience that were unpleasant or difficult that we weren't in the past capable of dealing with. So we tend to, out of our survival, a need for survival mode, especially when we were younger and we were children, we don't know anything else but to deny something. And, and then we sort of shove it into a dark corner in our subconscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that becomes over, ag- ag- an aggregate over a lifetime or many lifetimes, what we typically call the shadow. And the shadow can be very, uh, you know, full of a lot of dark, difficult uh, and there can be a huge amount of energy that's there, but it's hidden from us. So that's that's a whole other discussion we could have that could take an hour. I would love to pursue uh, that because um, because you're touching on something that is a, a bit of a favorite subject of mine. So we could talk a little bit about it if if you would like to pursue that. And that's the wounded inner child. 
Mm. Because when we're yes. younger and these things happen to us, whatever it is, you know, it's, it could come from some adult in our life or some trauma in our lives. There's a wound mm-hmm. that if that if it is not healed, then even though we grow grow up, if you want to use that term, come to adulthood over a period of years, we are occupying the adult stage. But the part of us that is still wounded is that little child. Yes, and some, and then you go back and forth between the wounded inner child and the dark and the dark side or the shadow self, because these things were never really dealt with. They were not dealt with compassionately. We didn't find a safe place to express ourselves or to feel that we were being validated. So that wound mm-hmm. never healed, and that wound is what turns into that darkness. I think. Yes. Well, when we're carrying unresolved emotional wounds from our childhood. Uh, that is often what is a, a major component of a, a lot of the difficult psychological, emotional energies that are in the shadow aspect of our hidden self. Um, the, the, what, what, it, what is going on for many people that are still perhaps uh, relatively unconscious that haven't really looked at that or committed to healing it, becoming aware of a lot of what's happening inside the shadow parts of ourself what can happen is then those hidden, unresolved, difficult emotional wounding in the inner child then greatly colors and distorts the way we perceive many of the experiences we're having in present time as adults. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it can make it very difficult for us to see clearly and objectively what's really happening. And I'd like to come back to the, one of the first things we spoke of at the first section when you uh, read the quote from Seth. Mm-hmm. about how the outer world is a reflection of our inner mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but the, it can be a very powerful way of seeing clearly a, the deeper truth of our inner being, but it can also be if we haven't resolved a lot of those wounds in the inner child, mm-hmm. that can be what being reflected back as can be so distorted and colored by the distorted perceptions and judgments that our inner child makes if it hasn't yet resolved the hurt and the pain from the past. Mm-hmm. So we tend to see things through a very distorted filter that, and until we resolve the difficult emotional uh, energies that are coloring and distorting our perception, until we resolve that, it'll be difficult for us to see what's happening in present time being reflected back to us from the outer world, uh, to see it in a more positive light and to see it actually as a gift perhaps rather than mm-hmm. seeing it as, mm-hmm. as a very unpleasant thing that's happening yet again to me that happened hundreds of times to me in the past we can once we resolve that stuff we can start to see these experiences as opportunities it's it's tough some sometimes to get to that though because um oftentimes we just see that see it as a way of life that's the way it is this is the way i was brought up this is you know what was going on in my home at the time and Unless we're open to the idea that life could be better or open to the idea that, um, that, that we can change, we're not changing our past, but we are changing how we see it. Yes. And how we see it will determine how we go forward with it. And, totally. and uh, but finding finding the right environment for that can be difficult. So those of us who had like a really rough childhood, if we continue in that environment, it's really hard to break out of that uh, in a vacuum, essentially, because you're still getting the outward stimulus, right, of that negativity mm-hmm. and that wounding. 
but if you yes. find yourself if you find yourself in a situation where you're surrounded by the right people or the right adults or the right mentors who encourage you and give you a safe place to heal you're you're in a place where you can see all of that that happened in a different way and that's what of course of miracles teaches us too is there another way of sure. seeing this is there another way of seeing this yes and see that's a very important point you're making but one piece is vital is that we have to be ready and have to be we have to yeah. recognize the need to see yeah. it differently we have to be willing and ready to make that choice to begin that journey of exploring and looking at it differently so there's various steps along the way i think once that desire and that awareness that emerges in our consciousness when we recognize a need to explore that or look at it or understand it uh then that desire will attract uh, experiences in the form of teachers, therapists, or mm-hmm. those that would be able to assist us on taking the next step in that mm-hmm. journey of healing. So it's, it's uh, yeah, anyway, I, I just think that's a very important point. It's about- a, I think it's an important point. One of the things that I want to make a, a, a slight shift here sure. because um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm aware of your um, um, attraction to Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Mm. And I recently listened to Jonathan Livingston Seagull at your, at your, um, re- at your reminding me about it. And a lot of what he talks about in that has to do with listening to the inner voice of what our own uh, possibilities are. How we can live by listening to that, the truth of who we are on the inside. And that truth goes to what we were just talking about, about healing the inner child. There is something in us all the time that helps us to know what real truth is. Mm. And sometimes we, we listen to it and sometimes we don't listen to it. Sometimes we're aware of it, that it's there. But whether or not we even know that it's there, we need to, we need to understand that there's a possibility that life can always be better if we listen to our inner self, if we mm. listen to the truth of the of our inner self. Can you talk a little bit about the truth of, of the inner self? Because the last conversation that you and I had, which was not on the air, you said you think that everybody should listen to Jonathan Livingston Seagull again. Uh, 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 yeah. Approach that a little bit. We only have a couple of minutes before a break, so let's see if we sure. can talk a little bit about that on this side. Okay. Well, I think, I think it's about creativity, it's about accessing the part of our, our being that is innately creative, playful, innovative, that loves to explore, loves to experience new, something new. Well, that is a very big part of what our inner child actually is. Our inner child is that part of us that has just this great yearning and desire to, to just play and experience joy, spontaneity, uh, creativity. And I think... That theme is, is, a, is a major point in Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Jonathan Livingston Seagull is the, the one seagull that is just so loves flying and is doing it for the sheer joy. And he's, he's not going to let any, any of his fellow seagulls talk him out of doing what he absolutely loves to do. And so it's about a lot of the story of Jonathan Livingston Seagull is about Jonathan Livingston's choice to be absolutely true to his joy to follow that creativity, that desire to fully be the free, expressive, um, you know, uh, potential uh, uh, that he can be. 
and, and, he, and he reminds the other seagulls as well that they have it as well. Yes. He reminds them we can all do this. It's not like yes. peculiar to just him. It's you just exactly. need to listen to what it is that is driving you, and you need to go with that. Let's pick that up on the other side of the break. Uh, I can't believe we're through our second segment already. You're tuned to Timeshare <laughs> on Voice America's 7th Wave. I am Marie Jackson, and with me today is Timeshare's regular fourth Thursday contributor, composer, performer, and author, Paul Armitage. In the minute or two that we're gone, you can take a look at our websites, mariejackson.net and paularmitagemusic.com. Our conversation will continue when we come back. Please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Marie Jackson is a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. Her practice includes private advising, workshops, and talks. Clients and students are offered tools, guidance, practices, and resources for managing stress and realizing personal power. Marie has a focus on intention and the law of attraction. By staying true to the spirit of who you are in daily living, you can process short and long-term goals, negotiate and hold boundaries, and clarify communication and commitments in work, relationships, and family dynamics. For more information, visit mariejackson.net. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are tuned into Timeshare, Living Reality, Navigating the Dream. To reach Marie Jackson or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, her email address is marie at mariejackson.net. Now, back to Timeshare. And we're back. I am Marie Jackson. I'm here today with Paul Armitage, Timeshare's regular Fourth Thursday contributor. And before we went to break, we were talking about our affinity for Jonathan Livingston Seagull and how he um, he has – it's this beautiful story by Richard Bach. And it's the story of a, a seagull who flies for the love of flying, faster, higher, smarter. And he reminds us that we all have that kind of drive inside of us. He's trying to remind all of his other seagulls that they can fly too. All they have to do is find the purpose in their lives. And one of the things I want to approach with all this is when we find this purpose, this gift, this joy, is it something that continues from one lifetime to the next? Because your book, Paul, is about your one soul's journey through reincarnation. I wonder if you, if you can tell us a little bit about that and, and what, that, what the joy is that we live from one lifetime to, to the next and how it manifests. Well, for me, uh, my greatest joy was plunking away at the piano as a, as a child. I just was drawn to it and music was everything. And um, So I started classical piano and took nine years of classical piano and and when I was a teenager, I felt a great desire to play Elton John. So I, that was the opening for me to start to improvise and to mm. really uh, exp- find a, a way to express more of that 
spontaneity, that creativity that we touched on a little bit earlier about when we were talking about Jonathan Livingston Seagull. So spontaneously composing music, sitting at the piano, improvising and making up stuff uh, was my way of expressing that. And every time I, when I, as a teenager, every time I'd sit at the piano and play, I would just be in, in heaven. And that was a, a huge key for me that as I started to explore spirituality and read spiritual books, particularly the Seth books that came a few years later in my 20s, uh, Seth totally answered so many big questions I had about why I felt so excited, why I felt so much joy when I sat at the piano and played. Well, to make a long story short... You, that, that was your Jonathan 14, Livingston Seagull moment, your piano. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> your piano, exactly. Yes, go on. And Please. so over the next 14 years, after seven years of being a professional musician, I was so strongly guided to really go into doing the spontaneous music more. And through a series of connections and meeting lots of different people in my travels, as I performed more of that spontaneous music for various groups, doors opened that ultimately brought me to some very profound experiences that unfolded over the next seven years, from about 2000 to 2008, where I had uh, dozens of amazing coincidences and synchronicities that strongly confirmed a prior lifetime as as a composer, European composer. Now, as I... Initially, I was a bit skeptical, but as this confirmation kept coming, I was guided to go to this composer's home in Europe, in in Norway, actually, and I started reading biographies of his life and learned more in detail about his his life, and I started to realize that there was an amazing similarity in this particular composer's views about music and art and my own views, Mm -hmm. and he had much of the same, uh, he expressed much of the same joy and much of the same feeling about his music, and the music of the day, yep, during the time of his life, which was the late 1800s, mm-hmm. in his diaries, in his writings, this completely blew me away because I was so struck by the incredible similarity uh, that carried over from that lifetime to this one. And that in many ways, I was, I was in terms of the essence and, the, and my, my great feeling about why I just felt such a connection to music, yeah, the style's different, we're in a different time the way I play is different in many ways, but the the reasons for why I play are, are in essence very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had this great, and I was doing so many things that were so similar this time around in this lifetime as to the way um, Grieg, who was the composer in the other lifetime, the way he approached music. Um, I hope that answers the question. I, it, it just I just could see that there was a, a major continuity. And that what brought me the greatest joy in this particular life, expressing through the music, had been for him very similar. Well, I think I think there's really a lot to pursue relative to the 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 journey that you went went into uh, in writing this book, and I cannot recommend it highly enough to our listeners that that you really pick up this book if you have an interest at all in reincarnation and how how there is this continuity of the soul and that's what that's what I'm reading about with um what I'm referring to when I talk about Seth um but one of the things I really want to pursue with you Paul um in addition to what your personal story is that um when we bump up against things like when we bump up against our um physics 
what we understand uh, from quantum physics, the physical world, when we're putting A Course in Miracles together. If all we have is now, this is where I keep getting stuck. If all we have is now, how is there a linear progression of lives? Because even in A Course in Miracles, the... But what Jesus says in A Course in Miracles is, in, the, in an ultimate sense, reincarnation is impossible. There is no past or future. And the idea of birth into a body has no meaning either once or many times. Reincarnation cannot then be true in any real sense. Our only question should be, is the concept helpful? If we can see the meaning we give it, we can answer that question. So my question then is, I I don't know if I'm articulating it very well, but my question then is, are, are we being reincarnated or are we just experiencing our life as it, we believe it starts and stops in the body? Yeah, again, another very good question that's has a lot of dimensions to it. I think I'd start... In answering your question, I'd start with the very first point that he makes in the quote, in the ultimate sense. Mm -hmm. From that level of awareness, from the ultimate level of awareness, which I I imagine is a state of full illumination where you you have full awareness of the big picture as a soul, Mm -hmm. then that statement makes sense, that reincarnation ultimately is really meaningless. Uh, Mm. But... At the stage of evolution where we are all currently experiencing life yeah. most of the time, and again, I say that to, to, clear, to quantify something here, uh, we can all have glimpses of that illumined ultimate state of realization. But most of us don't live there all the time. Mm-hmm. Most of us need to come back to this reality in order just to feel grounded and so we can function and do our daily lives. Mm. That's what the ego is, the part of us that functions in time and space in a physical embodiment in a physical incarnation. So most of the time we're not living in that ultimate state, but we all have access to it and we can all have glimpses of it from time to time mm-hmm. because it's an innate part of who we truly are and we never really lose that. But we're not conscious of it a lot of the time. So just because we're not aware of it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm-hmm. So oh, when yeah, we, yeah. in this reality though, reincarnation can have great meaning if it helps us to understand and navigate through the various challenges and experiences that we're evolving through mm. when we're not living in the ultimate state of reality. And we chose to come here for a reason. We chose to come here to have these experiences, to mm-hmm. learn, evolve. Mm-hmm. We came here to learn and have these experiences and to, to validate and confirm mm-hmm. that deeper knowing that the soul brings with us in every lifetime. And what Seth is what Seth is telling us, and actually Seth and, and Jonathan Livingston Siegel, your two your two <laughs> your two favorite writers here, um, are telling us. Uh, Seth says that um, that we're experiencing events that we, that are not even registered within our physical brain, and he goes on to say that after death, you are simply aware of these dimensions of activity mm. that we that we now ignore. He says yes. our physical existence predominates. And it's that domination of our physical existence that makes us be less aware of all the dimensions of ourselves that we would be aware of in the ultimate sense that the Course in Miracles talks about. That's exactly the point I was making. I I just think that's so well put. And uh, I just think it's so amazing because Mm. there's just a never-ending, amazing variety of uh, wonderful 
experiences that are available to us always. There's, there's no reason for us to ever be bored. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no reason to ever be bored. Um, but but here's a question that uh, that I wrestle with quite a bit, and I'm really... I, I really hope that that you can give me an answer to this. Am I going to remember everything I learned in this lifetime when I move into the next lifetime, or when I, I know it's a, it's a it's a linear understanding of a parallel existence? I get that. Sure. But when I come back in this linearity and I reinsert myself into the parallel existence, will I be able to reduce my own suffering because of what I learned in my in my previous existence or my previous linear understanding? Again, it's all up to us. I think it comes back to choice. Uh, mm-hmm. We we can have access and remember things if, if if it serves us at whatever stage we're at in our journey in terms of evolving our consciousness. I think all of us ultimately, most of us desire to have ultimately wake up and become fully conscious. But not everyone is quite there yet and not everyone has realized that that's what they actually really want. Some people are at a stage in their journey where all they want to do is get the next raise and pay the rent. And that's what gives them the greatest sense of satisfaction and joy. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I love a point that Jesus makes in the Course in Miracles that kind of speaks to the point I'm trying to make here. He makes a very strong statement near the very beginning of the Course in Miracles where he says, this is a Course in Miracles. It is a required course. It is a required course, yep. Meaning that all of us ultimately will take this course sooner or later. Mm-hmm. He says the only real choice you have is whether you delay it or not. Mm-hmm. But all of you will eventually take this course in your own way. It may not be through this exact format uh, as he presents it. But the ultimate goal of the Course in Miracles, which is to, for us to wake up and remember who we truly are as spiritual beings, which is love, the essence of who we are is love. Um, we ultimately will all come to that because it is our deepest desire in our heart. And so we can delay it forever, according to the ego's measure of time, which is an illusion, ultimately. We can delay it for a long, long time. But sooner or later, we're going to wake up to that because it's what we truly want at the deepest level of our heart. And I think that sort of speaks to the point we were making about, will you remember in another life? Well, if it serves you, you will. And if it doesn't serve you, maybe you don't need to. We can wake up now or we can wake up later, but we're going to, but we're going to wake up. Yes. Let's take our final break here. You're listening to Timeshare on Voice America's 7th Wave with me, Marie Jackson, and regular 4th Thursday contributor Paul Armitage. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Marie Jackson is a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. Her practice includes private advising, workshops, and talks. Clients and students are offered tools, guidance, practices, and resources for managing stress and realizing personal power. Marie has a focus on intention and the law of attraction. By staying true to the spirit of who you are in daily living, you can process short and long-term goals, negotiate and hold boundaries, and clarify communication and commitments in work, relationships, and family dynamics. For more information, visit MarieJackson.net. 
This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are tuned into Timeshare Living Reality Navigating the Dream. To reach Marie Jackson or her guest today, please call into the program at 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. If you'd rather send an email, her email address is marie at mariejackson.net. Now, back to Timeshare. Welcome back. Thank you for listening in. Uh, Paul, before we went to break, we were talking about um, how we how we measure the ego and how the, the ego measures us in linear time and whether or not we're going to learn in one lifetime or a thousand lifetimes what we're supposed to learn and that, that our core, the, at the core of who we are is love and we can choose love now or we can choose love later. But love is who we are, and when we choose or make our choices from the place of love, which is our inner navigator, our true Holy Spirit, or when we choose from our ego, which denies that kind of love, we delay our own evolution. So can we talk a little bit again, let's get back to the topic that we, um, that we opened up with, that the ego is not a bad thing. Mm. It's a tool. It's the navigator carrying, carrying our, uh, transporting our character and self. And that we get into trouble when the ego makes our does the driving instead of the inner navigator. So, if we can tie that a little bit to your message about you know what the course told you, you know the, the course of miracles is a required course. You're going to learn now, or you're going to learn later, but you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and we came here to learn. We came here yes. to learn. So, can you address that a little bit? Sure. Well, I, I come back to the, the uh, your word, your phrase about ego not being a bad thing. Uh, another statement that Jesus makes in another great teaching that I read called The Way of Mastery, similar, very similar to The Course of Miracles, he says, all events are neutral. Uh, everything is neutral, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Everything that, every manifested experience that we as creator beings bring forth, because we are, in essence, creativity embodied, so every moment we are expressing that God-given power to create Everything we create, every experience is born in time and space, ultimately is neutral. It only has the meaning that we give it, which Mm -hmm. is a fundamental point in The Course in Miracles. So that's why all events are neutral. And that's why the ego isn't a bad thing. Because Mm -hmm. good and bad are all relative concepts. And even when we're acting out of our most unpleasant or most difficult perhaps fragmented pieces emotionally. We talked earlier about the wounds and the inner child. Even when we're unconsciously reacting and acting out of that pain, uh, it can still be a wonderful learning opportunity if we can just choose to perceive it correctly. Again, another major point in The Course of Miracles. If we're willing to just suspend the rantings of our ego when it has been triggered, if we're willing to just step back, take a breath, and just try to calm down and then listen, choose to listen to that other voice of calm, truth, the Holy Spirit, the inner navigator, as you call it. The inner navigator can then immediately start to remind us that the rantings of the ego are only temporary. They're not nearly as scary or as destructive as you think they are. Everything is forgivable. Everything 
is just an opportunity to learn. Everything can be reinterpreted as a p- profound gift if it's perceived correctly, which is to see it as a call for love, which brings us back to the truth of who we really are. So I think all of that for me has been very valuable reminders. I've kind of memorized a lot of these phrases in my mm-hmm. own everyday life whenever I'm tempted or challenged. Uh, you know, I have a difficult moment happen and I go into a, what I often call a human moment, which is when my ego is wanting to take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've trained myself to just stop, breathe, and remember some of these statements that I just shared with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's become easier and easier for me now to quickly disengage from, uh, you know, spinning out and going into an ego moment mm-hmm. and coming back to peace relatively quickly. So those moments uh, then are not as frequent, they're not, they don't last as long, they're not as severe when you practice that way. Absolutely. Part of two, because I see that there's a momentum that's growing more and more as this way of just learning to just step back, relax, breathe, uh, love it free, forgive myself quickly, forgive others quickly. Just the intention, just the willingness to do that is huge. And I, I just see that immediately the universe rushes in with amazing support. And I often see outer reflections show up within minutes that strongly, strongly validate and confirm that I am being totally supported in that choice you know, uh, for you, peace. You know, you used a word a few times here, and I just and, and I'm thinking that this might be something good to leave our um, leave our listeners with. And the word that you used is willing. Yes. And and I think and the course asks us a number of times, are you willing to see this differently? So yes. I think that might be a good kind of a kind of a, a trigger phrase for people to remember. I know that it's something that I would like to remember and I'm and I'm grateful for this conversation with you because I just made that little I made that little post it note that I can <laughs> stick in front of me. Um, am I willing to see this differently? Yes. So if something does set me off or something you know comes at me and I'm not expecting it or I, I react with anger or impatience, resentment, whatever it is that, that takes me out of love because love is who I really am. And whenever I'm feeling something that's not love, that's why it feels so bad. All this other stuff feels so bad. I need to say, am I willing to see this differently? It's the willingness. Yes. Because the, the yes. answer to that has to be yes. If you say no, I'm yeah. not willing. Then yes, you already have your answer. You're right. You're right into the. You're right into the ego thing again. Exactly. I know, Paul. Yeah. I, we're nearing the close of our show today, and and I I really don't want to lose too much time here without uh, thanking you for being with us and sharing this understanding. We have so much to talk about, and we're going to mm-hmm. continue our conversations. You're going to be with us on March the 24th. I'm really looking forward to that conversation, as as I always love my conversations with you. Um, Thank you. So in the few minutes that we have left, uh, please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you to pursue this conversation, to start others with you, to learn more about the work you do, what you offer, what your process is, Soul Portraits. Let's talk a little bit about what you do. Sure. Well, I have a website. It is paularmitagemusic.com. The main uh, gift that I offer in my service to life is creating uh, original, spontaneously composed music for individuals called Musical Soul Portraits. Uh, they're 45-minute long original piece that I do to help people through music have a, a more direct experience of their essence through music. 
And I also have a number of my CDs that are also available on my website. Uh, yeah, paularmitagemusic.com. Okay, Thank and, you. and, and right. uh, listeners can download as well, right? Not just CDs, but they can download as well, correct? Yes, most, a number of my CDs are now available for digital download. They're on iTunes and a number of other Amazon, several other websites, as well as cdbaby.com. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Marie. I'm looking forward to our conversation, March 24th. Thank you for being with us. You've been listening to Timeshare with me, Marie Jackson, your host. I am a holistic mentor in the field of metaphysical spirituality. I help people to manage stress, achieve goals, and realize personal power in daily living by staying true to the spirit of who they are in work, relationships, and family dynamics. I focus on intention and the law of attraction for developing spiritual practices to help clients and students apply tools and methods for holding boundaries, forming inner dialogue, and communicating clearly. You can know more about the work I do in the field of spiritually holistic living at mariejackson.net. Thank you for sharing this time with us today. Next Thursday, March 3rd, my regular first and third Thursday contributor, holistic psychotherapist, Douglas Economy, will be with me to continue our Course in Miracles conversation. Please join us. In the meantime, I wish you ease in living your wholeness. Thank you for tuning into Timeshare, living reality, navigating the dream. Please join your host, Marie Jackson, again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, as she brings you another thought-provoking show on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.